Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Monday, July 18, 2022. Okay, we'll talk about what went on with the markets today. Um, we got some news here that Toys R Us are making a comeback. Uh, China's holdings of U.S. debt has fallen below $1 trillion for the first time in 12 years. Uh, we also have some news on smartphones tied into what I mentioned the other day about uh, Apple with its iPhones. Uh, says crypto miners have moved over $300 million of Bitcoin in one day. That means convert to uh, other currencies. So we'll see what's going on with that. It has to do with electricity cost, actually. Uh, and also, IBM released its earnings today, and, yet the, and the numbers were good. Sales and profits beat expectations, yet the stock still went down. And that might be a precursor to what we may be seeing now with a lot of companies as we are now entering earnings season. So we'll see, we got that. We'll see what else we got going on. Oh, yeah, Google also did a 20-for-1 stock split uh, effective today. So we'll talk about that. And also, uh, I'm going to continue to talk about uh, the stock market crash of 1929 and the Great Depression of the 1930s. So what were the factors um, that went on in the 1920s that probably would have caused an economic downturn, even if we did not have a stock market crash. So we'll talk about that also. Okay, the markets actually had a relatively slow day today, though. Um, basically waiting now on the corporate earnings news and such to come in. Then we have the big Federal Reserve uh, policy meeting uh, Wednesday of next week. All right, so the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 0.69%. S&P 500 down 0.84%, and the NASDAQ composite down 0.81%. Uh, we had some news on Apple. Near the end of the day, markets were actually up for most of the day, and then Apple announced that it is going to be cutting back on spending and some hiring in anticipation of a possible economic downturn over the next year. So the markets actually did not really like that news and did sell off. But now in the after hours market, markets are back up again. So uh, again, markets just kind of in a holding pattern right now. Uh, but yeah, I saw an article about, it says uh, smartphones um, shipments fell 9% during the second quarter, months of April, May, and June but not the iPhones. They've gone from 14% uh, of the smartphone market to grabbing 17% now. That's something I talked about the other day. Uh, it's been found that Apple customers, because uh, Apple devices, even though they are considered high quality, they're certainly not uh, inexpensive, but their customer base tends to have a higher income uh, than uh, maybe a lot of customers are buying Android phones, and it's found they're not as sensitive to price. They get their mind set on an iPhone. You know, they thought they're going to pay $1,300, find out it's $1,400. They tend to do it. So that kind of ties into what I talked about uh, the other day. So we'll have to see what happens uh, going forward with that. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, we're here, Toys R Us, all right, this company went bankrupt, it was liquidated, however, now they're making a comeback. Well, how'd that happen if they were liquidated? 
what happens sometimes is when companies go completely out of business, you know, Circuit City, in this case, Toys R Us, somebody will come in, investment firms or something, and they'll buy the name, the logos and all that, and try to revive the company. It usually doesn't work because the factors that led to the company's downfall are still there. However, with Toys R Us, it's a little different. They are now owned by an investment firm called WHP Global, and they've got a deal with Macy's. So it's saying here, um, Toys R Us will be just about everywhere for the holidays. Said they will be in every Macy's store in the United States over the next few months. All right, so we'll have to uh, see how that works out. The, the thing about Toys R Us, though, that what really killed them was price. Uh, I remember one time going in to buy a toy for somebody, for some birthday present or something. I was really surprised at how much higher the prices were versus what I could take my phone out and see what Amazon was selling the same thing for. Or uh, over at Walmart, Walmart really hurt them. Walmart, even Target sells toys and Amazon. So we'll see. You know, If Macy's is able to compete on price, uh, maybe. Maybe. The thing with Toys R Us, they used to have a lot of events, too, for kids and stuff, and they kind of got away from that. So, all right, so we'll see. We'll see what goes on with that. I uh, saw an article on crypto miners. Uh, says they have uh, moved over $300 million of Bitcoin in one day. When the word moved, they meant sold, convert to cash. Some are dropping out altogether. Okay, I, call, I talked about what's called data mining on my session on August 3rd last year, but bottom line, they use a lot of electricity. What these crypto miners do, new crypto coins are created, you know, every few hours in some case, every day or so. What they do is they process the transactions called blockchains. And the more pro uh, transactions you process, it's basically a lottery to try to guess this number that's generated. Closest you can get to the number, you get you actually get the new Bitcoin or whatever is created. So what they, they're called data miners. And what they do is they process a ridiculous number of transactions trying to increase their odds. It's almost like you, you're, you're manually processing uh, whatever transactions and you get like another entry into a lottery um, every time everything you process. Well, what a lot of these crypto miners are going to do is pooling together their, their resources um, to try to process more transactions. And then if they were to get, a, in this case, a Bitcoin, they would just split it among, among themselves. Because, uh, you know, Bitcoins just a few months ago were going for over $60,000 a unit. So we're, we're not talking a small amount of money. Well, anyway, they use tremendous amounts of electricity. And with energy prices going up with gas and everything, uh, they're having to spend more and more money on electricity and those kind of costs. So that seems to be the reasoning behind um, selling out. We may also have some in a panic mode too, you know, crypto, uh, Bitcoin is over $64,000 a unit back in November. And it's been holding around a $20,000 unit. And we did have a slight pop-up above $21,000 a unit. So maybe they saw it as an opportunity to sell. Yeah, to now it's a $22,831. So maybe it was part of that. All right. Uh, China, Sun article says China's holdings of U.S. debt below $1 trillion, first time since 2010. Part of that is rising interest rates. Another day I'll talk about bonds and how they work. Bonds are loans, in this case, to the U.S. government. They're in increments of $1,000. As interest rates go up, their market value goes down uh, if you have to sell it early because it's locked in a lower interest rate. I'll go into it another day. That's par probably part of the reason uh, China's number went down. Uh, also, China might be trying to diversify their holdings a little bit. All right, so speaking of U.S. debt, 
The United States government right now owes about $30 trillion. And, you, you know, you'll hear articles saying we're about to go bankrupt, whole country's about to collapse. Uh, they've been talking about that since the 1790s. If you look at old newspapers, this is it. We're about to collapse from our debt. And yet it never seems to happen. Now, this is something I've talked about on previous sessions, but... Uh, the $30 trillion of U.S. debt, it, you have to cut that in half because half of it's one government agency owes it to another. So it's actually around $15 trillion, but, which is a lot. But then you have to compare it to the size of the U.S. economy. U.S. economies uh, um, produces around $23 trillion in, in products and services in a year. So 15 over 23, I'll do the math in my head real quick. That's about 65%, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, maybe. But anyway, I think it's about that. Um, generally throughout the history of the United States, the government's debt tends to be about 45 to 70% of total economic output, sometimes 75%. So uh, yeah, we're a little bit on the higher end, but still within the normal range. Actually, we measure by gross domestic product, value of all products and services produced in a country in a year. Uh, it's been as high as 140% and 150. It was 140% in 1865, I believe 150% in 1945. That was the end of the Civil War in World War II, where there was spending uh, to save the United States. And those are the two wars that the country's actual future was at stake. And uh, there was no question about spending to win the war. But then it was brought down as the economy grew and more income tax revenue came in. All right. So anyway, so that's that. Uh, what else we got? Then we'll talk about, um, you know, back to our stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. Also, IBM uh, released their earnings today. The numbers came in better than expected, yet the stock went down 4% because they issued a warning for the second half of the year that they expect their net cash flow to go down. We may be seeing a lot of that now. Uh, companies coming in with good numbers and, and then basically uh, saying that, uh, yeah, but a second half numbers might be a little bit slower. So we have that. Uh, also, tomorrow, Tuesday, we have Netflix reporting after the close of business. They've had some issues losing subscribers, so the market will pay attention on to that. We have a few other stocks coming up this week. Johnson & Johnson's coming out early uh, tomorrow morning uh, and a few others. And then I believe it's next week. We have the big technology companies coming, Apple, Amazon, which is considered technology, Facebook, Google, and so forth. Speaking of Google, Microsoft also. Uh, yeah, they just did a 20-for-1 stock split. Uh, the stock was around $2,200 a share. And they actually announced a 20-for-1 stock split. Now, I've talked about stock splits in the past. Companies do that to lower the price of their stock. In other words, it, on Friday, you had one share, $2,200. Today, you would have had 20 shares at around $110. You don't make or lose on a split. As a matter of fact, let me see how they did. They call themselves Alphabet now, but they still trade under the symbol G-O-O-G, -O -O Goog for Google. Uh, yeah, they closed at 112. Uh, they opened, it says here, adjusted. They closed Friday at $112.77. So uh, that would be around um, $2,250, I guess, for the split, more or less. But anyway, 
Yeah, the idea of a split, it makes the stock more affordable to new investors. It also increases the number of shares outstanding. That helps with liquidity, a difference between buying and selling price and so forth. So uh, let's see. Today, they ended up at $109.91, down $2.86, 2.53%. So nothing too much there, but it's now a much more inexpensive stock if anybody's interested in it. Basically, you're buying one twentieth of an old share. All right, so we had that. Uh, also, one last thing, then we'll talk about our other stuff. We've got, yeah, Kentucky Fried Chicken says they got a new chicken nugget aimed at Generation Z. I had to actually look up currently what is Generation Z. It says 18 to 24 years old. Okay, with some new spices. The idea, companies try to get you, you know, locked into them at an early age because you tend to stick with them for life. All right, so for the last few minutes today, and I'll continue on with our sessions. All right, so... Last time I mentioned the stock market crash in 1929 was a trigger to the Great Depression of the 1930s, but it did not cause the Great Depression. There were a lot of abuses. The 20s were a boom time for the U.S. economy, roaring 20s, and the economy really was doing well. But a lot of abuses began to build in. One was the large amount of loans banks were making to people to buy stocks. You know, I've talked about that one. Another one was a big increase in consumer credit. People went on credit to buy everything. Cars, they were buying, I mean, homes at least got the home itself as collateral. But people were buying washing machines, refrigerators. It was the rise of consumer credit. We also had farms borrowing massive amounts of money to stay ahead. See, with the new technologies that had arrived, tractors and everything else, Farmers could grow a lot more food than they ever had, and supply and demand, as food supplies began to increase, prices began to go down, so the farmers began to borrow even more money to buy more tractors, more machines to grow even more food, um, which drove the prices down even more. Eventually, and that was a contributing factor of uh, what led to the economic declines of the 1930s, eventually the government came up with a controversial program. They began paying farmers not to grow food, uh, to keep the prices up. Uh, my dad's family had a farm in Georgia, they actually still do, and I remember that for many years. They used to get government checks just to leave some of their fields, um, just leave them, um, you know, not, not. Uh, they, it was called fallow is what they used to call it, leave them fallow. Um, and the idea was, you know, don't grow as much food and, and keep the prices up, but while other people in the world were starving. So, you know, it, it was a um, controversial program. All right. So we had that. We had farmers going into debt. 25% of the population lived on farms back then. Consumer debt. We had massive uh, loans for the stock markets. Uh, we also had a problem in the brokerage industry of self-regulation, financial industry in general. The idea was that the industry would regulate itself. That doesn't work. Uh, let me tell you why. Um, in the financial industry back then and today, most people are honest. That's not who you have to worry about. You have to worry about the few that are not. Think of like a college class. Professor, they have a big exam that day, closed book, everybody studied. Professor comes in at the beginning of class and, hey, I need to step out of the room for the next hour. I'm putting you on the honor system. Don't open your books. Uh, so what would happen? People would probably keep the books closed and take the exam. They were ready for it. Then the class later in the day hears the professor's not going to be in the room all day. And you got that one person who's going to rationalize the cheating. Well, if it wasn't for my job making me work that extra shift last night or whatever, my neighbor blasting the music, I would have had time to study. So they decide a little cheating's not going to hurt because they rationalize it. 
and then classmates see them cheating, they get away with it. The next exam that comes along, well, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. Uh, people begin to rationalize the cheating. And then those that would never consider cheating feel, well, now I have to cheat to stay up with everybody else, particularly if we're being graded on a curve, because now, so, quote, everyone's doing it. And that's what began to happen in the 1920s. You had companies basically making up their financial numbers. They were just almost making up sales numbers, profit numbers. And nobody really cared Well, everybody else is doing it because it kept driving the stock prices higher and higher and higher. And lots of loans were being made to people that weren't qualified to have them, uh, kind of like the mortgage loans of a few years ago, subprime mortgages, which I'll talk about that whole thing another day. And so a lot of abuses began to build in. Also, Congress in the late 1920s cut off most immigration into the United States. We're talking legal immigration, just all immigration. And they discovered that it was our newer Americans, later it was discovered, that were buying a lot of this stuff, their first washing machines and, you know, basically uh, automobiles and eventually homes. All of these factors built up into the 1920s. And then when the stock market crashed in those four days of late October 1929, the entire bottom dropped out of the economy with the collapse of the banking system. And then all these things that had happened in the 20s now suddenly were reflected in a Great Depression. So on our next session, I'll try to spend a little more time on this on our next session, I will now talk about what happened in the 1930s and why our government basically made every mistake they probably could have uh, to make the Great Depression even worse. First of all, make it a depression. Uh, those abuses I just mentioned might have led to a severe recession of the 1920s, but it certainly would not have had the word great in front of it, even if it was a depression. But we'll, we'll talk about that on the next session, now the 1930s and what the government did, and then eventually did to turn things around. But that'll be on the next session. So anyway, hope everyone's doing well. Bill Thompson, T-Bill, I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. See ya. Thank you.